do not know who I am. I'm Pastor Jack Langfeld. I'm the pastor of care and counseling here at St. Mark. And as we continue our emoji series, Pastor Chris says, I've got the perfect sermon for you to do. You're going to do anger. Yes, you did. (laughs) Now, I've got a question for you. How many of you ever get angry? Thank you. If you didn't raise your hand, see me after the service. We're going to talk about confessing sins. Um, Anger is a human emotion. Everybody gets it. There is good anger. You know, there are things that are just plain wrong that we should be angry about. But a lot of times we get angry about detail things. You know, you see the guy on the screen up behind me? He's angry. He's staring into the back of my neck. You know, I can feel him. The bad part for me, he's in front of me too. Yeah, everybody gets angry. One of mine, and my wife will tell you this, is I will be driving down the road and somebody will turn onto the road in front of me without giving me enough distance. I have to hit the brakes and come to a stop and they go merrily on my way. And I get angry. You can hear it. Even if I'm in the car all by myself, you can hear it. Okay, that's anger. It's a type of anger that... I think we all experience in different situations. We can have very intense anger. We can have kind of mild anger, the, the, uh, the type of anger. My uh, one teacher used to say, I'm miffed with a student. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm angry, but I'm not ready to kill him yet. But we all experience anger. And it starts from that cool level and it gets to the very hot. Yes, I'm getting angry with you too. So, but you never experience that? We get angry about all sorts of things. And sometimes that anger gets to the point we talk about it boiling over and it becomes rage. And when it turns to that, we get things like people shooting a lot of students in a school. That's rage. So, huge variety of anger. As a matter of fact, in the English language, there are literally several hundred, almost 300 words that mean anger. There are also another almost 300 expressions that imply anger. You know, like, I'm fed up to hear with it. Those types of things. And they come in all sorts of ranges. I mean, you know them. You hear them. You maybe say them sometimes. And we start with anger when we're quite young. I mean, if you've ever seen a two-year-old throw a temper tantrum because you wouldn't give them their snack, that's anger. And it continues until we're quite old. It's like the 90-year-old guy in the nursing home with his cane, wrapping it on the floor so everybody can hear because they haven't brought him his lunch soon enough. That's anger. But it's something that we need 
to be able to control, to understand, and to put it back into God's plan. Now, what causes anger, that we understand. That, you know, there are psychologists and psychiatrists, there are books 1,600 pages long, probably, that talk about anger and dealing with it. But what happens what to cause anger is when we lose control of a situation. That's why when people cut me off on the road, I get angry. I've lost control of that situation. They've taken control of it. Well, when we want to be in control, the real root cause of that is we want to be God. Well, think about it. Who's got all of the control over all of creation? God. Who wants to replace him? Me. Started with Adam and Eve. He gives them one rule. They decide he, they know better than he does. They break the rule. He loses control for that moment. He comes angry to them and punishes them, justly punishes them. But they wanted to be in control. They wanted to replace him. So when we get this, when we understand it's a loss of control, then we can sometimes monitor our anger better. That's something I've had to learn. I mean, you don't get to be my age without being angry about a multitude of situations. And I've learned some different ways to cope. Most of us have. Any of you ever taught to count to 15 before you respond when you're angry? Yep. It's like two boys I knew. They got in a fight. The one got home and he had a black eye and his mom says, what happened? David and I got in a fight. Well, how come you've got the black eye? Well, I counted to 15 like you said, but his mom said only count to 10. <laughs> okay? That's anger. And anger management misconstrued a little bit. So we're going to take a look at two little portions of Scripture today that help us understand and then deal with anger in a godly way. First one is a gospel story. And it's really a wonderful little story with a twist at the end of it. There's a, a, a slide that's going to pop up in a second that says, Mary and Martha, a story of anger. And the little emoji behind that, that's the surprise. Because there's a surprise in it. How many of you know the story of Mary and Martha? Okay, pretty familiar story. Jesus is on his way up to Jerusalem. We're going to go through this pretty quick, Brian. So kind of whenever you feel like changing slides. Uh, <laughs> Jesus and his disciples were on their way up to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. He comes to a village, probably the village of Bethany, to the home of the woman named Martha, where he stopped. Now, Jesus knew Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, and he stops there pretty regularly. Notice it says it's Martha's house. And then she has a sister called Mary. Older sister, younger sister. I don't care which one. <clears throat> so she has her, this sister Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Any of you ever get distracted when you have guests? 
I'm married to somebody like that. Um, it's, a good, it's a good thing. I mean, sometimes distraction is okay. But she was distracted by all the preparations she had to make. You know, she had to figure out how to feed these people. And remember, when Jesus comes, it's not just Jesus. He's got these 12 guys that hang out with him all the time. And they show up for the same meal. She's getting a meal ready. Where do you serve all these people? Where do you make sure you've got enough food? And so she's getting all these things ready. When we talked about this Friday, somebody said, Think Martha Stewart. Best image. She comes to Jesus and she asks, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Lovely question. She's telling Jesus the answer she wants. You're going to tell her to help me, aren't you? Listen to Jesus' answer. It's so neat. He says, Martha, Martha, that's for emphasis. She, he wants her paying attention. You are worried and upset about many things. We all worry to a certain extent. The key word for us there is upset. When you are upset, you tend to be angry. It's one of the synonyms. But few things are needed or indeed only one. There's really only one thing to worry about, to be concerned about. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What he's telling Martha is the best way to control her anxiety and anger is to choose the right priority, the number one thing. Martha's priority is getting things ready. Jesus says, no, there's a better priority. The number one priority is time with him, with him as the Messiah, the rabbi, the Lord and Savior. So that's Jesus' answer to this is make sure you have your priorities right. That, by the way, saves me a lot of anger. My priorities are right. I know where I'm going. Things don't distract me. I don't get worried. I don't get upset. To help us apply a little bit better even how we can cope with anger as God's children. Paul has a wonderful section in his letter to the church in Ephesus. It's the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And in the fourth chapter, he gives a pretty long section that says, if, if I would title it, caption it, it would be Guide to Christian Living. Any of you ever read a book about that, about how to live as a Christian? I think a lot of us do. And a lot of times we take it right from Scripture. Paul in Ephesians 4 says, anger does not fit well with who we are as God's children. And then he gives us some direct guidance starting at verse 26. He says, in your anger, do not sin. So he says, when you're angry, don't sin. Why don't we sin? Why do not sin? He tells us why we shouldn't sin because it causes a big problem. It gives the devil a foothold. It gives the devil a beachhead to cause us to sin even more or potentially to fall away from God. So Paul's very direct about this. Anger and the devil are pretty good friends. If 
we can get angry if Satan makes us angry, we push ourselves away from God, from that top priority. So then he goes on and he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Six words that mean anger, including the word anger in that one verse. Okay? Been talking about anger. Bitterness, that's what sits inside you and ferments. Have you ever known a bitter person? You know, that person that looks so sour that even the lemons run away from him? That's bitterness. Rage, that's that hot anger that boils over and comes spewing out. That's where you get people murdering their families and others. That's rage pushed out. Then we get anger, common everyday anger. Okay, Paul says you're going to have it, but it's a problem. And a lot of anger is kind of, we can take it or leave it. We know that it's there. We just kind of look around it when it's from somebody else, even when it's from us. Then he says, brawling and slander. Any of you ever been involved in a brawl? There... <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know what it takes to make a brawl? It takes four people minimally. And generally it gets bigger as it goes. Uh, my favorite uh, thing is a number of years ago, I saw a police report and it was talking about a fight in a bar. And the first officer responding said, we had been called out for violent actions between two individuals. When we got there, pool cubes and balls were flying everywhere. Everybody was entangled. It was a brawl heading towards riot. That's the definition of brawling. I haven't been in a brawl in years. Decades, quite literally. <laughs> I did have a life before I became a pastor. <laughs> and I wasn't always a good person. I'm just trying to picture it, man. I'm just trying to picture it. That's all. I just... Were you a hockey player? No, but I'm assuming you had a brawl, had brawls when maybe you were a hockey couple, player. Maybe a couple. Yeah, I didn't. Mine were on basketball courts. You know, smaller number of well, no, same number of people, just a little different type of violence. No padding or masks or anything. So, but brawls are very violent, and they do head towards riots. They're uncontrolled anger, slander. This is the one that causes us a lot of problems. Slander means to speak anger to someone or about someone. Now it can be true or it can be false, but the attempt is to destroy or harm a person's image to others and to themselves. Slander may be the most prevalent form of anger in our country today, and especially among teen and tweenagers. You know what we call it? Bullying. That's exactly what slander is. And it's against the Eighth Commandment. I mean, it's, it's written, the, written in stone by God himself. 
So we have that. And then Paul ends, along with every form of malice. Malice is a word we don't use real often, unless you're attorney. But malice means pre-planned angry action towards another. You act with malice aforethought. You plan it out how you're going to get even. I mean, well, I can get even with that teacher if I put a snake in her desk drawer. Nobody ever did that, right? How about a mouse? How about slashing somebody's tires or keying a car? A lot of malice in the world. And it leads, it can lead to things as challenging as murder. So we get all of these images from Paul that are angry images. So he says, don't do it. Well, I'm sorry, Paul. I don't know how to not do it. He tells us in the very next verse, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Be kind and compassionate. It's hard to be angry with somebody you're trying to help. It's hard to be angry with somebody who you are showing care and concern for. It just doesn't work. You begin to understand their needs. You may even begin to understand why they may be angry with you. One of the things that I learned at quite a young age, men and women cope with anger in different ways when, when we're younger. Um, high school boys, you ever get so angry with your friend at school, they say something wrong, they say something about you dating this ugly girl or something, and you haul off and punch them, then you spend 10 days out of school. No. But what happens is a lot of times after that kind of a fight, the next day you look and the two guys are sitting at the same table in the cafeteria eating and laughing together. Girls, my wife tells me and my daughters, it doesn't end that quickly. I don't have the hormones and genetics to let me understand that. But it's a challenge. And Paul says, be kind and compassionate. If you're angry at someone and by God's grace can act kindly and compassionately to them, you cannot stay angry. And then he continues, forgiving each other. If you forgive the person you are angry at for your anger, I am so sorry I've been angry with you and it's hurt our relationship. That's helpful and healthful for you and for them. But a lot of times if you say that, forgive me, I've been angry with you and I know it's hurt our relationship, their response is, oh, forgive me, it's my fault also. Because anger tends to be a two-way operation. So Paul says, do these things. And then he says, by the way, this is the model, just as in Christ, God forgave you. We are doing exactly what God did for us when we were his enemies, when he could have had righteous anger for us. He loves us and is compassionate to us. So then he goes on. 
He says, follow God's example. I always want to be a godly man. I always want to follow God's example. As dearly loved children. It's a little bit of a unique phrase, but it means like that three or four-year-old who when daddy goes to mow the lawn, gets his little plastic lawnmower out and follows him around the lawn. Or when daddy's in the kitchen fixing the refrigerator, trying to fix the refrigerator or the plumbing, he gets his little plastic tools and does the same thing. It's using the model of the father to become what he is. It's how we got to be called Christians. We are little Christs. And so Paul says, do this and walk in the way of love. Love is really the opposite of anger. And he says, love others. Love like God loved you. Love like Christ, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be as loving, as compassionate, as caring as Christ was. And he sacrificed himself for us. It was an offering, a fragrant offering. What's implied there is when we live out our faith in love, in compassionate care and concern, doing away with anger, replacing anger with love, we become a part of that fragrant offering to the Lord. We smell good, which is a lot better than smelling bad. So that's what God wants.